You're listening to the Voices Behind Women's Cricket Chat. That's Hannah, Georgie, Cassie, Mahika and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast... Hello and welcome to this episode of Women's Cricket Chat with me, Georgie and Alex. And we are delighted to be joined by the one and only wonderful Georgia Redmayne, accompanied by boot on leg, not cast, which is an exciting thing. So you can wear a boot, she can shower her leg. Do not worry, listeners. Georgia... Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We like to think we can entertain your recovery a little bit and keep you occupied for an hour or so. Thanks, Georgie and Alex. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's very exciting. A very slow recovery ahead, but hopefully it'll be very rewarding along the way with this uh, Achilles tendon that's just been repaired. How are you, firstly? And then can you talk us through a little bit about, you know, what actually happened because as a doctor yourself I imagine there was probably some like self-diagnosis going on behind the stumps and what has the recovery been like so far how long ago was it now so we're recording this on the 20th of December yeah so oh so I did it in the big bash semi-final uh whatever it's called now the qualifier or something they've all got weird fancy names but against the strikers yeah, I took a took a catch behind the stumps, got Deandra Dotton out, was very excited because she'd just been whacking a few sixes all over the park, jumped a few centimetres off the ground, took off to celebrate and thought someone had thrown a ball into my legs. So um, yeah, like what you're saying about the self-diagnosing, it's funny, like in the moment, I, I remember just looking back straight away, you're just like, what just happened? Like, I honestly felt someone had pegged a ball into my leg and I'm like, no, this doesn't make sense. I've just caught the ball. It can't be that. And then I was like, maybe Dotton's run around and whacked me with a back with a bat behind my leg. I'm like, surely not. And I'm like, no, she's in front of me. She can't have done that. I look up to the sky. I'm like, maybe there's hail. <laughs> it's funny how your mind just comes up with weird uh, solutions to why you um you feel something. And then I think after I kind of realized that someone from the crowd hadn't thrown a ball at me either, I I think I uh, had the realization that it was my Achilles and just laid lay down on the ground in despair for a few moments, I think. But yeah, like I was saying to you before, um, before we started recording, just that it, I think it was just bizarre that I didn't really feel the pain so much. So, you know, I'm pretty stubborn at the best of times. So I was trying my best to stay on the field. I thought I could keep going. I think it was the adrenaline of a, of a big bash semifinal out there. I was doing a few kind of keeping movements. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Eventually our physio convinced me like oh we'll just go off the field for a couple of overs and examine it because I think initially the doctor who came out said he thought it was like a, a calf um injury yeah probably deep down like oh it probably felt more like an Achilles and yeah examining it off the field in the in the physio room it was it was pretty obviously a, an Achilles rupture so yeah I think that's probably when the pain started once I realized yeah how much time I'd have off and that I'd, I'd miss the rest of the rest of the home season so that that hurt more than the injury itself I think. And you've been in hospital, you've had surgery, but all back home watching Netflix and watching the Australian season as it hits full flow, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I had surgery. I think I did on a Thursday night and then got in to see the specialist on the Monday. It's the annoying thing. you got to wait, wait the weekend. I'm like, if you're ever going to, you know, break a bone or rupture an Achilles, need surgery, do it on a Monday. So then you have the whole week to get it sorted. Um, you don't have to wait over the weekend. So yeah, I had surgery on the Tuesday evening. So yeah, today as, as a recording, it's exactly three weeks uh, post-op, which is very exciting. Yeah, the first two weeks is pretty hard because yeah, very strict instructions. Like I couldn't do any exercise 
exercise whatsoever, even like upper body stuff, because they didn't want extra blood flow and things into the car. So yeah, there was a lot of uh, TV watched. And um, luckily, yeah, the, the test matches have started here in Australia. And, and now the, the WNCL competition's back restarted. So yeah, I've been watching a lot of cricket and trying to not get too much FOMO. But yeah, our, our Queensland fire team started again tomorrow. So I'm very excited to watch that. And you were saying before this that you're going to be, you know, trying to get involved somehow and just like taking stats from home from watching the game to like to feel like you're part of it. Do you sort of FaceTime the team as well? Yeah, like I keep in contact with the girls, obviously. Um, they, yeah, they they travelled over yesterday and I think that was probably when it, when it hit that I wouldn't be able to join them and it was a bit sad. But yeah, like I think I found it's, it's the first year I've ever missed a game because of an injury and I'd had the two weeks of a hamstring rehab before I, I did my Achilles in Big Bash. So yeah, I found, you know, I'm, I'm pretty hard at the best of times on the sidelines, even just, you know, after getting out or waiting to bat. I'm pretty, pretty restless. So when I can't contribute on the field, I, I probably get a bit agitated and and um, try to find any way to to keep myself entertained and try to feel like I'm contributing to the group. So, yeah, I did a bit of um, the, the fielding stats for the coaches during that big bash period. So, yeah, I've offered my services again. So, um, yeah, that'll definitely keep me engaged in the game uh, on the sidelines. So, yeah, I'll, I'll see how I, how I go. Uh, you often get a bit of feedback from the players if they, if they like or dislike uh, some of the points that you're awarding out. But... Um, yeah, I could cop some abuse if if they're unhappy, but yeah, no, it should it should be good fun, and yeah, I'd, I'll be watching every ball anyway, so it's nice to feel like I can help out. And obviously, Achilles and ACL injuries are such a hot topic of late, especially in women's sport, particularly women's football. I think there's a stat somewhere that says eight of the ten Ballon d'Or nominees have all got Achilles or some form of ACL injury. Like, what can sports people like yourselves what measures can they take to prevent it? And how long does it take to recover from an injury like this? Yeah, it's, it's interesting stat. Yeah, like it's funny. Like I feel in cricket, we probably don't have too much Achilles tendon stuff. There's been definitely lots of ACL injuries floating around. Um, unfortunately, yeah, Sophie Molyneux had one during the big bash ACL. So yeah, Achilles, I, I only know of one other cricketer kind of in Australia who did it. And that was Antariques a couple of years ago. But yeah, it's 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 funny, like you kind of hear a bit about yeah, Achilles tendon injuries and you probably think it's something a, a little bit more uh, spectacular than maybe the way I did it, just barely getting off the ground. It's it's quite embarrassing to reflect on it in a way, how on earth I did it doing that. But yeah, it's it's kind of one of those random things, really. Um, like I've had a bit of tendinopathy in my Achilles tendon um, for a couple of years. So I did go into the game like, oh, it's a little bit sore, but it's a lot less sore than other games that I've had where I've, I've had barely able to run and it's just burning. So, but that, you know, that doesn't really make you at a huge increased risk. It's kind of just one of those random things that happens when it just snaps. So yeah, it's, it's a funny one. I, um, it was actually really cool. I got to go to the, um, Queensland Academy of Sport last week and our, our team physio arranged that to meet up with an Olympic steeplechaser and she she did hers at Tokyo 2020 so able to hear a bit about her rehab and her journey which was fascinating and provided a lot of hope for me because she was saying you know five or six months she was feeling really good so yeah that's that's kind of what I'm aiming for now to try to to try to hopefully get back at five six months would be ideal but you know 
sometimes it might be longer sometimes it might be you know shorter so it kind of just varies as we go but yeah it's funny kind of comparing stories with her I'm like oh well hers was during an Olympic final going over a you know a big hurdle and lying down on the Olympic stadium and mum was barely getting off the ground taking a catch so I was a bit embarrassed by that but yeah it, it's pretty cool to talk to some of the other athletes who have done it and maybe she can give you some advice on how better to jump safely because jumping is obviously not the one for you. I do still have this really great image of the idea that you thought the dot in had come around and whacked you around that ankle. I was like, that's a bit rude, isn't it? I'm like, surely not. And then I'm like, no, she's in front of me. She's walking in. <laughs> the worst thing was is that I was, um, all I could think of was like, I went down before I could see the umpire put his finger up and I was lying on the ground. I'm like, did he give it out? And I saw JJ came over to me. I'm like, Jono, we got a review. She hit it. She hit it. If he hasn't given it out, she's like, red, it's out. So, so I was just lying on the ground. I'm like, well, no, I can say I don't review hard. I, uh, you know, I don't appeal well. I've put everything into it that I snapped a tendon. So um, yeah, maybe just got to calm down on the wicket celebrations a little bit in the future, potentially. And do you find that your background as a doctor has sort of helped or hindered you in this in the recovery and also how do you balance like being a doctor is a hell of a lot anyway being a cricketer is a hell of a lot how have you managed to sort of navigate that world and being able to find that balance oh like I'm not sure about help or hinder you it's probably a bit of both I've certainly very much pushed the physio I remember during the hamstring rehab to try to get me back early but in the same same mindset you're also very you know, aware that you don't want to do anything too bad. So you do obviously have great respect for, you know, the people whose job it is to look at after you. So you do everything you, they say. But yeah, I think I was I was pestering it a lot for those um those couple of weeks trying to get back for an earlier big bash game just because I just, you know, love playing so much. So yeah, I probably use it as a bit of a leverage sometimes just like, oh no, I'm a doctor. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I know it's all fine. But they obviously know a lot more about it than I do because they work in it every day. But yeah, like in terms of the balance, it was, yeah, probably a tough couple of years there for a while kind of finishing uni and playing kind of professional cricket and studying full-time and then getting my internship done yeah definitely busy couple of years at the moment I've got a lot more free time because I'm not in a permanent job somewhere so I kind of made the decision not to I guess renew my hospital contract after my first couple of years working and just taking on more casual jobs when I have a bit of free time and I think it was a great decision because, you know, it allowed me to to go over to England, play in the 100, play in Fairbreak, be a part of some of the Aussie tours. So it would have been hard to keep keep getting leave for extended periods of time. So it certainly freed me up to, I guess, pursue the cricket dream and travel around the world and play, which has been awesome. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's something that I can, I can go back to when I need to full time. But and something I try to continue when I do have the free time in off seasons and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's nice, I guess, I'm at the point of that I've done the hard work the previous years that I can pick and choose a bit when and where I work. So yeah, I'm kind of feel like I'm reaping a bit of the rewards and a bit more free time now after a few years of pretty stressful balancing. And where did this love of anatomy and, you know, learning about the body come from? Because obviously generally with cricketers that they do love sports science, but I've never really seen anyone go down the doctor route. So where did this love come from? Yeah, I think like, I don't know, I've, I always loved learning at school. Like I always, yeah, love studying and, and learning different things. And like, I always kind of wanted to be involved in health in some way. 
and so like you know looking at physio and stuff like that um there's a lot of physios who are cricketers as well we have quite a few um in our system but yeah I think by the time I got to maybe year 10 or so like just looking at the different options and I'm like well medicine's just so broad like there's so many different areas you can branch into um whereas physios or like other you know health careers may be a bit more contained so yeah I think that appealed to me the fact that there's just so many different branches of it that you can kind of dip your feet in um so there's so many options open to you and I was probably also very competitive being a sports person growing up and I think the challenge of getting into medicine drew me in as well so yeah I think kind of going through the process of getting into uni and and just having like I just really enjoyed all, all the you know different I guess, um, branches of medicine that you, you get to learn. So yeah, it was, it was a lot to take on. It was, yeah, six years full-time study. And, but at that point, like when I decided to do it, I wasn't considering a career as a cricketer at all. Like, um, it's kind of funny how, how life turns out in a way. I think people who'd maybe mentioned it to me, I'd laugh in their face if they suggested I'd be playing professional cricket. But yeah, it's kind of funny how, you know, opportunities come, come up at the right time. And I think, when I did get the chance to play, it was about halfway through my uni degree, playing the big bash and get a taste of that. I, you know, you get a little taste of a little bit of success and you just want to kind of keep striving for it and keep challenging yourself to be to be the best you can. I've always been a bit of a stubborn competitor. So yeah, I think kind of since then I just haven't really looked back and yeah, try to try to be better every day and, and try to, you know, challenge myself against the best in the world. So yeah, I kind of love where I'm at at the moment. And yeah, it's funny. Now I can say I'm a professional cricketer and a bit of a part-time doctor when I when I feel like it. So yeah, it's kind of bizarre um, looking back on kind of how I was probably more a full-time student, did a bit of cricket on the side, and now it's more full-time cricketer almost with a bit of medicine on the side. So yeah, it's I think it's a great testament to how far the game's developed in in those years, and we've gone from very kind of amateur, semi-professional to now it's you know viable kind of profession for for girls and women. So yeah, it's really exciting and pretty honored to be a part of I guess that transition phase which is really cool and what was it like to get that first call up for the women's big bash because obviously it's become such a big thing now but it has like you say developed over the years but for you it must have been like you say so exciting to get that call up so how did that come about you're sort of like you know you're studying your uni thing and then suddenly it's like all right we want you to join what is going to grow into one of the biggest women's franchises in the world yeah so like my first three years at uni I I was contracted in like the New South Wales Breakers squad, but like in my head, it was just, you know, a couple of grand of cash on the side whilst I'm a uni student, like how good's this? I just need to turn up for training a couple of times a week. I'm a reserve, so I'll never have to play anywhere unless there's, you know, finger injuries or something. But um, yeah, it was probably my third year of uni, like I was kind of getting a bit, bit competitive and wanting to break into the team at that point. And um, yeah, I missed out on a contract that first season, a big bash. And I think it was probably then that I realized like, oh, I actually do really want to play in this and challenge myself. So yeah, when I got the the opportunity the following season um, down in Hobart, I remember Julia Price gave me a call. And at that point I was like, oh, you know, I'm putting in all this work and but not really getting any opportunities where I was in Sydney. So yeah, like to kind of get a call and be like, oh, we want you to come open the batting and we could keep. And I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. Out of the blue, never met you before, but this is fantastic. And, you know, I, I can make it work this year with uni, which is, I think that was the best thing. I think just the timings for me, the year that I got offered that spot, I was just doing a research project all year. So it wasn't really full-time study at all. It was a really cruisy year. So yeah, to get that opportunity, it's something, it's kind of one of those turning points, I think, when yeah you start playing and you're like, oh, you know what, I really love this and 
I'll do whatever it takes to make it work for the next couple of years of uni, even though it's going to be a lot harder. So yeah, it was fantastic to kind of be a part of the big bash and that was yeah the second season and yeah we did really well that season down in Hobart making the semi-finals and I remember our, our last couple of games was when overlapped a bit with the start of uni so I was going in for a couple of days and then flying out for a few days and flying back in and being like oh sorry we've got to go for finals and um so yeah like that was that was really cool and I was lucky at, at uni I was had really good people around me and I was studying at a rural kind of clinical school at a hospital in a small like in a smallish regional center so everyone kind of knew everyone so they knew I wasn't trying to cheat the system I was legitimately playing cricket I wasn't you know just slacking off so you're not just um, hung over like I'm always hung over <laughs> on a Thursday and this and then I'm flying across the country yeah 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 cricket again yeah so yeah no it was really cool like to know that they kind of helped me through it and we kind of worked out ways to make sure I got you know the attendance I required and and all of that so yeah I think I was pretty fortunate to have people help me through it and obviously having been a part of the big bash since the second season to now what are some of the changes and developments you've seen from the beginning of your time in the big bash to now we're talking growth of the game crowds because we asked Gemma Barsby this and she was kind of like oh yeah like back in the day 3000 was like epic and now it's like probably what five times five five to ten times that yeah like it's it's funny like I remember because the first can't remember how many years it was maybe five or six I think it was five years it was they still had like double headers and things or maybe it's four years I can't remember and now we're kind of standalone so I feel like sometimes the scheduling's really annoying like we'll play a a Wednesday 11 a.m game like at a random ground and be like well no one's going to come and watch this it's not even school holidays and then but then other times you get to play in prime time on tv at night and it's like amazing atmosphere in the crowd and you get you know prime time coverage on on the television so um yeah like I feel like it's a bit different going from double headers which I think works really well in the hundred comp in England to now doing the standalone I think it's definitely helped our tv ratings but sometimes the attendance figures are down a bit but um yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I definitely think, well, the standard obviously gets better and better. And I think just the the amount of domestic players who just the quality and depth in domestic players, I think has definitely grown over those years. Like it's funny kind of like, you know, when we get to play in like Aussie games and things like it's, you look at the team, you're like, oh my goodness, this team could be playing international cricket. And it just like, I think just, the success of the Aussie team is probably reflected like whenever someone goes in there and, and gets a go, it's like they're always getting success because I think just the way that the WBBL and, and WNCL as well, I think it prepares players so well for international cricket. And I think, yeah, the qual- like the international players as well. Like I think just the quality of the games just get better and better. And yeah, it's been fantastic. And yeah, the, the, the people who are interested in it, I think, and the media coverage definitely gotten better over the years and it's great to see some you know in-depth analysis and even criticism whereas like the first couple of years it's like oh look these girls are playing cricket oh look at them go and everything's like trying to pump it up even when we're dropping catches like left right and center and I think the fact that it's it's probably taken a bit more seriously and you see so many people are more invested in it and following it across the world I think is really cool and you know we're, we're not treated as like women cricketers as a bit of a novelty it's kind of more like oh no we're serious cricketers and you know get treated and, and judged as such and I think that's really cool as well. 
Yeah, and I think that's where Australia have been so far ahead of everyone and why they are literally like, I would say the Australian women's cricket team are the best team of any gender in any sport in the world because they're just indomitable, like lost for the first time in 2022 the other day and it's the end of December. Like just insane. Yeah, in a super over. So that's like not even the actual game anyway, you know, ask anyone who watched the men's 2019 World Cup. Well, if you ask a New Zealand person or an English person, it might be a bit different, but... What is it that's just been so amazing about Australian cricket is that they've they brought in these contracts early and like how has it been to be part of that sort of leading the way in women's cricket and realizing you know we are setting the precedent for the world here and you just keep bringing these players and something like the Big Bash has obviously been so important but like these youngsters that are coming through and I look at them like God I'm so old they are so good what's it been like to be part of that development in Australia and sort of part of the you know the contracts that came in so much earlier than the rest of the world and What's it like to be part of the, the side that are reaping the rewards of all that input? Yeah, I think it's been like five or six, I think it was 2017, um, there was a new MOU come out with Cricket Australia and the ACA. And at that point, it was, everyone was on contracts, maybe like seven grand, you might get 10 grand for Big Bash or something like that. So yeah, I think with that MOU, it changed that everyone with their WNCL contracts were given well, plus Big Bash, you would be a, you know, a professional wage. And it wasn't a, a great one at that point, but like it was still, you know, certainly a decent amount that, you know, you could, you don't have to work three jobs on the side and then try to play um, at the same time. So it was a huge, huge um, game changer. And I think like for young girls coming through, well, it's kind of a double-edged sword really, like, because a lot of us had, you know, been studying and working and then doing cricket on the side. And a lot of these girls could just go straight into cricket, Um which sometimes means that they miss out on maybe having a bit more balance with, you know, study or work. But like the fact that they can have that choice, I think is really cool. But, and like, you know, we're always really well supported to, to, you know, to do study or pursue careers at the same time. And um, that's something that I've been really grateful for. I remember um, when I first moved up to Queensland to to play up here, I was starting my work and like, obviously was getting paid, you know, a full-time contract for cricket, but you know, they're always, they're like, you're a doctor you've got to do that job too so um to have that understanding and and know that you can still get like the training in maybe it's just at different hours so um I think the flexibility that I was afforded with that was great and yeah kind of obviously would change between pre-season and actual playing season I'd obviously be at cricket a lot more but um yeah I think the fact that we have that option is really cool and but yeah the the professional contracts have been great the fact that you know, we can de- dedicate so much more time to playing, I think we, and, and training as well, but like the fact we probably train more than we're paid to um, at the moment. So it'll be really exciting. I think the next couple of months they're negotiating a new MOU. So I think it'll only go even better. We're looking at next year. So that's really exciting. Yeah, no, yeah. I was going to say like, I think with the, with the next MOU that comes up, it'll be really exciting to see where it goes in the future as well. Cause um, just on that pathway to, to professionalism. So yeah, it's a really exciting time here in Australia. I think um, when that will come through in the next couple of months, hopefully. And we know that this Australian team has been so dominant for such a long time like we've seen it we saw that amazing final at the MCG in front of record-breaking crowd what was it like for you to break into that squad because there's all there's making national squads and then there's making the Australian women's cricket national squad and that is like next level amazing yeah it's really special like obviously it's it's been a bit of a dream of mine for a long time and um yeah like I kind of probably given up on the dream a few times 
um, along the way, as you said, it was always really hard to to break into. And I think when you kind of get into that mindset of not thinking about it, then you start performing really well. And then you start thinking about it again, obviously. So it's kind of a vicious cycle at times. But yeah, it was, it was really exciting. I remember getting the call when I was over in the UK for the 100 last year. So I remember it was 2am or something. I got a message from the selector just saying like, oh, hey, are you free to chat? And I was like, can we wait a few hours? I love it. I have this idea of you being like in a bar in Cardiff as well, just like on the hundred, just like, yeah, no, I'm just no. walk about. <laughs> if only we were very restricted by COVID rules back then. So um, yeah, I was, I remember being lying in my little, my little hotel room at the, the Voco St. David's at the uh, Cardiff Bay. But yeah, I remember being so tired. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I think I want to be awake for this phone call. So I think I'm like, oh, can I call you back in a few hours? <laughs> oh my God. Um, I, I probably shouldn't have just replied, but he would have seen that I'd read the message. So I didn't want to seem like I was rejecting him. So I was like, oh, I ca- called him back the next morning. And um, yeah, it was just told that I was in the squad for that India series that was coming up that September. So yeah, kind of couldn't believe it. It was, it was very exciting. And yeah, to kind of yeah be involved in a squad that's been so successful being and around that group was really cool and yeah got to got to travel with the world cup as well which was a which was an amazing experience over in New Zealand so that'll be something that I remember for a while um it was probably pretty obvious very early on that the COVID substitutes wouldn't be required um for the teams because they stopped testing everyone so kind of relaxed into a bit of a holiday mode and obviously just helping the team wherever I could off the field so yeah that was a pretty cool experience and the girls obviously came out with the win there which is which was really nice to be a part of at the end of last year you know Australia was still quite strict with their COVID protocols I just remember seeing Stuart Broad give everyone a daily update about his yogurts in the hotel so what was it like kind of going from Australia to New Zealand where obviously it's a lot more relaxed like we've heard when the England women toured last year or at the beginning of this year, even like, it's very chill. Like they could go out for coffees. So, so what was it kind of like for you? Yeah, it was like it's funny. Like Australia, New Zealand. Like when it was during that time of kind of COVID, it was it was really hard to get in there. But like once you're in there, you can live pretty normally. So I remember when we were going to New Zealand for the World Cup, we we're told to have like two weeks of pretty hard quarantine, and then like and then obviously after that, you're fine. But they changed a lot of the rules because I think COVID was becoming a bit more widespread and a bit more accepted, like let's just move on. So in the end, we only had to do one week of quarantine, which was really nice. So we got out early and basically we were given a week's holiday. Um, we just had to do a couple of gyms. So um, that was probably one of the highlights of the trip for me. I think um, myself and Grace Harris and Amanda Wellington, we ended up doing as much touristing as we possibly could in that week um, around Christchurch on the South Island. So yeah, we got up to plenty of uh, fun ad- fun adventures doing some zip lining and jet boating and kayaking and anything we could do because we're only allowed to do out outdoors activities but if you're restricted to outdoors activities probably New Zealand's the best place to be it's you know such a beautiful country so yeah that was certainly a, a fun week and yeah after that it probably eased up a lot on, on the COVID stuff like they'd stop testing us really um we had a bit of a scare Ash Gardner got got COVID but it didn't spread to anyone else and we kind of there wasn't really the requirement to do regular tests as only if anyone developed symptoms, which luckily no one did. So yeah, it's kind of funny looking back now that how different it was obviously you being a bit wary and, you know, we weren't allowed to eat in places and, you know, safe practices and everything, but yeah, it's, it was, it's certainly different. I know, 
yeah, like when, when I was in the 100 competition was probably the strictest one that I've been a part of, Bubble. Well, apart from the WBBL hub of the season before, that was crazy. But yeah, just like in, in the 100, it was like testing every day and yeah, pretty strict on, you had to get permission or like had to have venues cleared to go there for lunch or something and you had to eat outside and stuff like that. So that was pretty strict. And yeah, the WBBL hub of uh, 2020 was was certainly a, a memorable experience for everyone involved <laughs> staying in staying in uh, the same hotel with all eight teams and um, felt like a huge school camp and everyone had to <laughs> yeah eat in the dining hall or, or get their um, food delivered in and you know overseen by security officers which was which was something very different um, to get used to. I actually think that sounds quite fun but I think that's the boarding school life. But you say you went, um, you were in New Zealand and you went off and had fun with Amanda Wellington and Grace Harris. I mean, I can think of two, you know, they sound like two quite fun people to go and have a great time with. What's it like? What are the characters like inside that Aussie team and in the Brisbane Heat? Because Grace Harris is just an absolute legend. She seems like she's just full of life and just an abundance of enjoyment. Yeah, like it's it's very different. Like a lot of the girls there are very big on the golf and the group of us, we, we were not very big on golf. So um, there'd be, there's always a, a huge, a huge group who, who would always go to golf um, whenever there was a day off. Yeah, Grace and Wello and I probably weren't very keen on golf. So we, we were pretty keen on touristing around. And then there'd be another couple, couple of girls. I remember we, we'd always have to scope out places. So we'd be talking to like T-Mac and Darcy and Shooter and we'd, we'd go somewhere and be like oh this was really good and then the next day they'd end up there so it kind of felt like we were the the travel guinea pigs for for some of them on the road yeah it's kind of it's funny like obviously people have different ways to to kind of spend their free time and some people prefer to you know probably stay by themselves or, or read a book or something like that whereas you know a lot of them go out and play golf and yeah I think the few of us were trying to just see as much as we could whilst we were in New Zealand because I think well Grace and um, Willow were in the squad, but probably didn't play for most of the games. So yeah, we probably took it upon ourselves to to see a bit of New Zealand whilst we were over there. And yeah, we became a bit of the the travel guides for some of the other girls we used to make fun of with that. Yeah, T Mac and Das especially would often end up in places a day or two after we went there. So yeah, it was a fun time. And yeah, it's interesting to see how different people like to, I guess, unwind and, and spend their free time on. It was a long tour. It was like two months or so we were over there. So yeah, it was, it was good fun. Got to got to see a lot of places in New Zealand, which was which was really great. And aside from the COVID bubble in the hundred, because I also know what it was like. So I was with London Spirit. I would honestly say that COVID bubble and all the delivery was the reason I gained weight. But that but that's a story for another day. I'd say the same. I, <laughs> I have the same problem. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I went over there feeling really fit. And then I came back and had two weeks of quarantine in at the Gold Coast, and I'm like, oh dear, I think I need to get back on the bike. <laughs> yeah. But aside from COVID bubble life, what was it like for you to be part of the inaugural 100 and what were your teammates like? Yeah, it's really cool. Like I think as someone who missed the first Big Bash, it was really cool to be a part of the first 100. And it was pretty, it was kind of late. I think I knew about a month before that I'd be going over, getting a late call up. I think I was replacement for Beth Mooney when she pulled out. And obviously Meg Lenning had pulled out as well um, for the Welsh fire at that point. So yeah, it was, it was, I had about a month to prepare, um, but it was certainly so exciting. And yeah, getting over there. I remember I, I had a bit of a fangirl moment, the first teammate that I, because I was probably the first one over at the hotel and the second person there was Sarah Taylor. And obviously as a wicket keeper, I was 
big fan. I was having big fangirl moments. And yeah, getting to train with her was was really cool. And then the rest of the girls were great too. And like a lot of them had obviously played a fair bit with each other at the Western Storm. So they had a kind of a, a great connection with each other. And in terms of the internationals who were there, um, we had Piper Cleary and Hayley Matthews who have played with both of them previously. So that was really great to to be, be back with those girls. So yeah, re- really enjoyed it. It was a great experience. And yeah, we probably didn't do as well as we would have liked, but we got two wins and uh, one of them was against the the eventual winners, the Invincibles. So we, yeah, can hold on to that. So we beat the beat the champions. But yeah, I think it was, it was awesome. Like I think the eight games that I played there are the eight biggest crowds I've played in front of. And certainly I think the English crowds are, are certainly something different. And the way that you get heckled in the field is just amazing. So yeah. There's probably like quite it's... a lot of beer that relates. Yeah, there's probably a positive correlation <laughs> between beers drunk and heckling levels. Yeah, but like it's something that we're not really used to um, back home as much. So that was, yes, yeah, definitely something to embrace um, when you misfield a ball and you get heckled by the home crowd. So yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun. And yeah, playing at, you know, the biggest grounds in the country was incredible. I didn't get to play at Lords, unfortunately, but got to play at like the Oval and Edgbaston and some of the other just like, it was just amazing, the atmosphere there and, and something that I'll always remember. And yeah, definitely probably the highlight of the of the tournament for me, just the way that they did the double headers and the crowds and the atmosphere. Um, you certainly felt a part of something really special. And I think COVID was actually something to thank for those double headers coming about in the first place, because that wasn't the original plan. So we can thank COVID for something. So I just want to like that going too. Like I think yes. it worked so well and they're like, oh, we'll keep this. We won't have the girls playing at Taunton or something. We'll have them playing at, you know, the Aegeus Bowl instead. So yeah. like, I think I think it was a stroke of luck for the, the women's hundred that it worked out so well. Yeah. And I guess it's sort of the crowds, that you know, they grew the crowds originally people were like oh maybe they won't come in for the women's as well but it grew and grew and grew throughout the tournament which was great to see and then we saw it continue this year as well and the women's tournament was fab again this year but I want to bring it back to way way back not that long back we're not that old but to when you first started playing cricket and how that came about because I read that you you know you've got a brother and a sister and there was your sister does gymnastics and you were like I'm definitely not taking this, this one up maybe if you had your jumping would be slightly better behind the stumps and you'd have lack of injury but who knows? I can't even do a roly-poly, so who am I to judge? But how did it all yeah. first start, the love for cricket and the idea that you wanted to play more seriously? Yeah, well, pretty pretty close, pretty close. I um, Yeah, like, you know, growing up, we were, I always loved watching sports. And, like, in summer, you're always watching the cricket, right? So I was always playing in the backyard with my brother. My sister's probably the only one in our family who doesn't like cricket. Like, my mum and dad love it. My brother was playing. So I'd always play in the backyard and just try to reenact to be Adam Gilchrist or something, you know? Like, so, yeah, always love that. And, yeah, I remember... I did do gymnastics as well, but yeah, probably similar to you. Like I can't do a forward roll, like without, you know, doing my neck I, or something. Yeah, was, my neck. Uh, I don't understand how people do it. And they're like, just don't touch the floor with your neck. And I'm like, what am yeah, I meant I to like, slap onto my back? <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, I'm very, very, you know, just not flexible at all. So gymnastics was really not for me, but yeah, like obviously yeah, they're like, oh, do you guys are going to gymnastics? James playing cricket. So I kind of end up doing the cricket stuff as well. And, you know, I think I've always loved team sports. Like I, I played a bit of soccer as well growing up. I played a fair bit of tennis when I was young. I kind of loved the, you know, a bit of the hand-eye sports. So yeah, probably tennis is probably what I enjoyed more when I was younger but then you know I think the team sport is really powerful when you get to play with other people and so that's probably what drew me more into pursuing cricket a bit more 
Have you ever played tennis with Ash Barty? Because she was like no. one of my favourite sports with people or anyone no. of all time. I think she's just insane. I know. I'm actually devastated. Like, obviously, I wasn't around Queensland heat set up when she was there, but I'd be definitely be having fangirl moments if she ever came back. We're like, come uh, on, honestly, Ash, after you tennis, come back to cricket. Come back to cricket. It would be like, great. You but... get cricket for a mental health break anyway. Come back to it. How insane would that be? I'd be like, right, George, I'm flying over. I'll sleep on your floor. I just want to watch Ash Barty play cricket, please. And you'd be like, uh, who is this? Mm. Yeah. I remember because I remember being devastated that I missed out on that first WBB. I'm like, imagine if I got to play against Ash Barty. I'd just be like, you need to go back and play tennis because you're so good. I was such a like such a fan of her tennis. And I remember being like, why is she playing cricket? What a dumb decision. <laughs> but um, obviously it was great for her and she loved it. And, you know, came back and won all, like pretty much every Grand Slam and achieved everything she needs to so yeah she's she pretty incredible a, she could join like the world golf tour as well now she's one of those people oh, you know. yeah i think she's writing children's books as well like she's got everything married now oh stop it. yeah, yeah. And you hate them and you can't and that's the most annoying part <laughs> just be a horrible person yeah. goals goals but um yeah, yeah like i can't i think like well before we got away on the ash body um you know, tangent. Yeah, I think just kind of getting into that team sports, I think was something that I really enjoyed. And yeah, it turns out like, I don't know, I kind of got further with cricket than other sports. So I think probably more suited to the the hand-eye kind of bat ball type game. So yeah, I kind of played a lot of underage stuff in the New South Wales system and then just, you know, very competitive, just kind of kept trying to do as well as I could. And then, but never saw a future in it. Like, as I was saying before, like I would have laughed if anyone said you'd play for Australia. Cause I always kind of felt like I had to battle to get into teams and get a go and things like that. But yeah, it's kind of funny. Like I, when I moved to Sydney for uni, I'm like, oh, I'll just play club cricket as, you know, cause I enjoy playing and then yeah, kind of getting picked up in breaker squads and then yeah, eventually going to Tasmania and Hobart and now up to Brisbane. It, it's, it's really kind of strange where cricket can take you and, between school and uni, I did a gap year over in the UK and played county cricket there. So I was kind of using it as more of a, as a way to see the world and travel around for a while. And yeah, it's funny how now it's, you know, it's, it's a profession in a way. So it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting how it's developed from probably more pastime and a nice little avenue to, to go overseas. And now it's, yeah, taking up most of my life and uh, yeah, I'm trying to rehab this injury as fast as I can so I can get back out on the field. And growing up, did you have any role models that you looked up to, be it female, male? Obviously, Adam Gilchrist, absolute icon of wicketkeeping. Yeah, well, Adam, he he grew up in a town next to mine as well. So he was the obvious choice of hero for me. And kind of I was probably the perfect age to be watching him, you know, absolutely smash them around at the international level it was yeah always my idol growing up I know his dad Stan really well he did a bit of coaching with me so yeah always idolized Adam and you know as like the local boy who went and achieved such great stuff so yeah he was definitely my hero I also love Mike Hussey as well was always one of my favorites but yeah it's funny like because kind of growing up there wasn't too much women's cricket on TV and if it was it was like once a season maybe so yeah, like probably most of my idols growing up were were men's cricketers. But yeah, as I mentioned before, I think once I started watching female cricket, being the wicketkeeper, I loved watching Sarah Taylor play behind the stumps. So yeah, she was probably one that I, I looked up to a lot in the women's game, especially. And also, I read that you also played uh, men's second grade cricket alongside your dad. What was that like? Yeah, it's funny because I often have, you know, the father-son, you know, teams or weekends and yeah, I remember I think I was 16 or so and I was 
playing junior cricket with the boys but then in the afternoon on the Saturday there'd be the men's cricket so yeah I was playing second grade and my dad was there so yeah it's kind of a cute little uh father-daughter moment playing cricket together I remember once probably the most terrified I've been batting was when we were playing the Byron Bay team and there was this boy there and he was the quickest bowler I think I can ever remember facing (laughs) And we're on a dodgy little synthetic wicket as well, which was a bit of a shame because I don't think Byron Bay had a turf wicket. And I just remember shutting my eyes when I was facing the ball and my dad was batting up the other end and he had no intention whatsoever of getting me off strike. So I had to stay facing this quick bowler and I did not enjoy it whatsoever. He was meanwhile facing some nice little off spinner at the other end and just decided not to not to take the single. So, um, yeah, I was stuck fearing for my life at the other end but yeah it was really nice playing with him I remember yeah I did I didn't last too long in that team I remember breaking my finger (laughs) um wicket keeping I think to the men and yeah so I had a bit of time off after that and then once I kind of finished school I went and played in Sydney but yeah there was it was definitely a season or two where I'd get a few games in with dad which was really nice whilst he was still playing was that a really awkward car ride home after that and you were like why weren't you running singles I think I was just so traumatized. I didn't want to talk. Any danger of getting me off strike. I think I ended up getting out, but um, I, I wasn't actually watching the ball. I was too busy trying to flinch and close my eyes as the ball was coming down at me, I think. <laughs> but um, no, it was fine. I, I can't really remember much else from that game apart from yeah, shutting my eyes as I was hitting the ball, um, which but- is not advice I would give to anyone at home listening. It's toughened you up nicely. And it helped develop you into the cricketer you are today. The cricketer that won the Betty Wilson Young Cricketer Award of the Year. Young Cricketer of the Year Award in 2017-18. What was it like to win that? Because you're among some like pretty big names who've also won it. Yeah, it's incredible. I remember like when I first got like a I can't remember if it was like an email or something, but like an invitation to the yeah, Alan Border Medal Night. I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. And I remember going there and you have to like you know, go into the waiting room and mingle and stuff. And I'm like looking around at everyone in the room. And I'm like, I think I'm the only person here who's never played for Australia. And I was like so starstruck by everyone there. It was quite bizarre in a way. And then, yeah, I think I got, yeah, presented by, yeah, Michael Slater was was there. Um, and yeah, it was it was incredible getting that award. It was, it was really nice. And, you know, it's probably really good company. I think the other girls who've won that award have, have gone on and done some really great stuff. So yeah, it's something I'm pretty proud of. And what was it like, you know, after that, did you feel that there was any kind of pressure to, you know, go on and do like the most enormous things really quickly? Was it like, oh God, there's this big spotlight on me now. I am this young person. I've got to perform. Did that sort of affect you in any way? <laughs> oh, not really. Like I didn't actually feel too young at the time. I think I think I was like 22 or 23 or something but because I hadn't actually played any games before that because it, it's kind of like you have to be under a certain age but also have played like a certain number you kind of played more than a certain number of games to qualify for it and I think the fact that I probably started my career a bit later than most like you see a lot of the girls now are playing for their states at 17 18 19 I probably didn't really start playing big bash until yeah I was 22 23 so that probably helped me come in and probably be a bit more successful when I did come in because I'd had so much more cricket behind me and probably a bit more experience. So yeah, like I didn't, I didn't feel too, too young with like, you know, the, the hype. I feel like some of the young girls kind of coming out of school probably get a lot of, a lot of expectations put on their shoulders really early. So I probably never was someone who ever got that. So it was kind of me coming through a bit later and 
I was pretty established probably where I was at that point. Like, yeah, like obviously as a wicketkeeper, they'd had Midge and Moons in the team for a long time. So I was kind of just knew where I was at that point. I didn't really feel too much expectation and yeah, like just kind of went about my normal business really. I've never really felt like I've been one that's had a huge um, expectation on them that, you know, they're going to be the next big thing or anything. I always kind of feel, as I mentioned before, I've been a bit of a battler and a bit stubborn trying to work my way through doors. So yeah, it's probably something that, yeah, I I just thought it was a great honour and something that I can reflect really well back on rather than any pressure or anything like that. And obviously you've had such a glittering career so far. We can't have you on and not talk about fair break what was it like for you who was sort of the standout performers and who who was the person on your team that you just kind of clicked with immediately yeah oh fair break was awesome I remember when I got asked to do it I think I was just finished the big bash the year before and I just thought it sounded like such a great concept and I'd been involved with fair break previously that had a game out at Barrel at, at Bradman Oval that I'd been a part of um I think 2020 was like just when COVID was first hitting and it was like when the World Cup was on and everything. So yeah, it's really nice to be asked back and I was so devastated. I missed half the games because of COVID, but yeah, I I loved it. I think our team, the Warriors, we had, I think like 11 or 12 different nations or something like that, which was incredible. And I was the only Australian. So I was like going in, it's like, oh, this is great. Got to play with Hayley Matthews again. That's our third franchise playing together now. We always joke, we never seem to be in a, we seem to be in a franchise that doesn't tend to do very well, but we always love batting together. So that that was good fun. And Mignon Dupree, I'd never met before, but have always wanted to play with her. And we clicked really well instantly so she was great she's someone I've always wanted to play with so loved getting the chance to play with her like the associate girls were fantastic I remember um Yasmin Khan from Namibia loved um meeting her and I was trying to get her over to Australia this season but um fortunately that one fell through but maybe next year play some club cricket over here then Esha Oza from UAE she was great kind of the the local girl back there so um yeah it's fantastic like and it really gave a huge sense of perspective I think as well just how different your cricket story is compared to some of these girls and yeah like one of our girls from from Argentina like she was had to learn English because she went like through cricket and she learned it through watching movies and I'm like that's just incredible like I could barely tell like obviously it's your second language but I can barely tell because you speak it so well and yeah just the the complete diverse backgrounds of everyone in that team like it was a such a unique experience I think so yeah I thought it was fantastic and have you all kept in touch yeah, well, I follow follow most of them, I reckon, on like Instagram and stuff like that. So yeah, occasionally send send a little message, more reply and stuff like that. So yeah, I saw I saw that um uh like the they're playing the game in Canberra, I think, in in February. So yeah, I, saw, I think Esh is playing in that. So yeah, I'd love to go down and see her there. And yeah, it's awesome catching up with with Mignon and and Haley and in the Big Bash as well. It's 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 I think that's the best thing about cricket. Like you meet people from all over the world, and you can make really great friendships that you know you never would have had otherwise. So yeah, it's fantastic. And um, Pricey, our coach, obviously I've worked with before. Um, it was great kind of connecting with her again, and and Celeste Rock as well, who used to play in Tasmania um caught up with Catherine Bryce um she's been over in Hobart playing some club cricket down here so yeah it's great to catch up with her when I was down there for Big Bash too so yeah I think it's great that you're able to 
to keep in touch and, and catch up with people when you see them. It's it's fantastic. And yeah, I think I hope the competition keeps going and it's, you know, it's always nice to meet up with people and yeah, form friendships that you never would have made otherwise with com- people from completely different backgrounds to your own. But like, obviously I was part of it too. And it was amazing to see that sort of the relationships develop and then people that just, it sounds awful to say sort of surprising us, but there were people that surprised us because obviously we've never heard of some of these players and then they're coming out and they're just absolutely holding their own against some of the biggest names in the game. So it has been incredible to see that sort of development. And I think going forward, it'd be so cool if you can get down to Canberra, you can like let us know what's happening down there. You can be our roving reporter from from Canberra, obviously all things permitting with Achilles and all that situation but I imagine you'll be allowed to get on a plane and get to wherever by then yeah I hope so it'd be great to be involved in some way and and see some of those girls again like as you were saying like it's really cool like I've I've developed an interest in watching like well not watching but like I'm following like the scores of all those world cup qualifiers and stuff like that and be like oh I know these people now so that's really cool and and following how they go and you know I think it, it was a great tournament for the growth of a lot of those associate players and they're only get, and going to get better and better and that's great for the game you don't as great as it is for Australia to you know be dominating you don't want one you know one two or three teams just being so far above the rest of the world so yeah like I think I think it's great for for the um the health of the game to have so many people from so many countries developing and getting opportunities to play high level competitions and just before we round up if we touch on that just looking ahead and Australia dominating for so long there is the Women's World Cup coming up in February who would you put your money on oh look you know, Australia, obviously, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say anyone else. Probably the safest bet. I'm, though, putting it out there, I'm not allowed to bet on cricket. I have no intention okay. of betting on cricket. Okay, um, let's rephrase it. Who do you think have the biggest, <laughs> who's going to take home the trophy? Oh, the Aussies. The Aussies. Come on. Come on. They're going to win. But yeah, I think, well, I think India and England both looking very good. And yeah, it's, I, I love watching all the, like I, I follow all the other international games, England obviously going very well in the West Indies at the moment. So I think kind of a new little phase of their, um, you know, their team, they've, they've got a few new girls in and they've been doing really well. So yeah, it's really great to see the other teams, how they're kind of building towards the World Cup too. So yeah, I think, yeah, India, England, both looking really good. I think any team can, you know, can upset any team on the day really. So yeah, it's, it's, by no means a, a certain certainty that, you know, the Aussies are going to win, but I'd definitely say they're going as favourites given their, their history. So, um, yeah, it'd be great to see where it goes. I'd love to see New Zealand go well. They're a team that I always enjoy watching play. So, yeah, it'll be great to watch. Great tournament to watch. I'm, I'm not sure what the hours are going to be like here for, for spectating, but I'm sure I'll probably be up at some point watching the games and, and cheering on our girls and especially the Queenslanders in there. I'll always love to support them. So, yeah, can't wait for it. Yeah, we had to cope with the hours of it being in New Zealand through like the darkest time of English winter this year. So I actually, I sympathise, but I'm struggling. I don't have to do that this time. Oh, well, we had the games at ridiculous hours when we oh, were yeah, trying fair. to watch that. Getting up at like four o'clock or something to watch that. I can't, I can't really, or maybe it's three o'clock. Something, something ridiculous watching that game. I got up at three o'clock to watch Birmingham. Good old Birmingham. But that was amazing too, being able to have cricket as part of that. I guess that kind of just shows the growth of the women's game. We always mm. like to round up these podcasts with just like a few quick fire questions. The first one we always like to go for is, what is your favourite item at a cricket tea? Your favourite food item? 
I tell you what, I love the teas in England. Nothing comes close here in Australia. They were very much more unhealthy, but, oh, cricket tea. Oh, it varies at every place. I love a good, like, like a, oh, it's like hot food, cold food. Oh, this is not a quick, quick answer. I'm really sorry. I love, a, like, the once we had, like, this really nice kind of uh, risotto-y type thing. But, yeah, look, I don't mind. I'm happy with whatever. But And half the time you just end up doing your own wrap. You just have to do it quickly because it's a quick innings break and I've got to put the pads on or something. So usually I just end up going for a wrap. You don't like dive in for the mini quiche or like the sausage roll. Well, we don't get that over here. That's the problem. That's what I miss about playing in England because they would have the best. Meat pies with tomato sauce. Is that not even like a cricket tea thing? That doesn't pass the dietitians over here. We, um, but like the best, so like in England, right, they have, you know, the beautiful, the the club or whatever that you go to provide all the teas it's great there's food there's like pizza pasta sausage roll like all this stuff and I'm like this is fantastic over here for club cricket you just got to bring your own lunch but then in like WNCL WBBL it's all very dietitian approved so it's all very healthy insane I love when I've played in India and you get like naan bread and curry I was like this is fantastic though probably not what you want in the middle of an innings when you've kind of lost about three liters of sweat you probably don't want a hot curry but yeah it's it's funny when you kind of go to different places in the world and see what what the food is that they serve serve you up so that's a really long answer favorite musician or artist maybe like Coldplay I don't really have a favorite I'm kind of I change my vibe all the time but I do like Coldplay favorite sledge you've ever used or heard oh I don't know so many just very specific you've got to be there type moments I do like saying like Oh, half the time when I sledge, I'm sledging my own teammates because I don't like to sledge the opposition too much. But like, say if one of our players is getting absolutely pumped, I'll just be like, oh yeah, you got her in two mind. She's not sure if she wants to hit a six or a four or something like that. But just to try to take the piss out of my own teammates um, is probably what I do more than than sledging the opposition so much. Favourite ground you've played at? Tough one. Probably, I love Adelaide Oval. Just probably because I... A lot of the other grounds in Australia, I probably I was really lucky. I got to play on like the Gabba and the SCG and the MCG and Blunston and the Wacker pretty early on. But the Adelaide Oval was probably the one that I had to wait for the longest. And I played there for the first time last season. And it's just such a picturesque ground, I think. So I've got a bit of a soft spot for that. I love Allen Field in Brisbane because it's usually a great batting batting ground I love Blunston Arena got a very soft spot for that it's another great batting ground probably just grounds where I, I'd get runs on I quite like but yeah like as I mentioned before in the 100 I love playing at the Oval and Edgbaston were two pretty big grounds but if I ever got to play at Lords that would definitely jump to the top of the list well that was going to be our next question where would you like to play so that's easy that one um who is the most fun teammate because I have this image that it's probably Grace Harris yeah, it's probably Grace Harris. Love playing with Grace. Love batting with Grace. We we always call each other batting besties. We love batting together. And she's always great fun on tour. You know, it, she's very easy to keep a conversation with because she'll do 80, 90% of the talking and you just have to sit there and nod and smile and um, just agree with what she's saying. So um, yeah, no, she's she's great fun. Always a laugh. And a sister too. They're, they're both absolute crack ups. So yeah, you, there's never a dull moment when you're when you're hanging out with Grace Harris. I think. Basically, you're gonna have to send her in our direction because then we can have her on and she can sing your praises too. And we would love to have her. Basically, just tell her that. But before time runs out, um, probably you say someone else, and I'll just be like heartbroken, you know. No, we'll just edit that. So we'll get her on so she can say it too. We'll edit it. We just it just be this voiceover of me saying it. Before our time runs out, could you please tell our followers where they can find you on social media? 
Yeah. So look, I've I've just got Instagram. I don't have Twitter. Um. So Instagram is g redmain eight is my Instagram handle. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Um. Handle. Hopefully, some good content there that people will enjoy. Love that. And well, all our followers can go there and see what is going on with all your recovery, rehab, and as you build towards the rest of your career. So. Georgia Redmayne, thank you so much for joining us today on Women's Cricket Chat. It's been absolutely fab and we wish you all the best in your recovery. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat, on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. If you'd like to give our personal Twitters a follow, then it's at Hannity1194, at GeorgiaHeath27, at Cassie Coombs98, at Mihika Barshney, and I'm at Alex James This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time.